Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Wherever you are tuning in from, we would like to welcome you to the Unmeasured Podcast and Experience, where we truly believe the journey to eudaimonia begins with one measured step at a time. I'm your host, Derek. And I am your host, Abdil, also known as Buddy. So Derek, as you know, in this show, um, you know, what it's really focused around is, you know, the journey that we're on and the people we keep around um, and, and who surround us and who set examples and this concept around the neighbor next door. So true. And and so what are your thoughts when it comes to the neighbor next door and then uh, the type of people that we typically connect ourselves with on a more frequent basis and what that means to to you? Uh, I think it goes back a little bit to the last episode too. We had that 33% rule. So, you know, people that you want to be like, you, you keep as mentors, people who kind of guide you. Uh, the people that you you know you need to check yourself with your peer group, and then the people that you want to bring up as well. And uh, luckily for us today, we have one of these amazing mentors that we've kept around, uh, guru in the tech space, a uh, great family man, just an overall great guy, um, a practitioner of excellence. A practitioner of excellence. That's a good word. That's a very good word. Practitioner of excellence. Um, and I won't hold him silent any longer. We got our <laughs> guest here, uh, NASA Troth. What's up, guys? How's it going? Happy to be on, man. I'm uh, doing great, man. Happy to have you on the show. This is super exciting. You are the first official guest that we have on the Unmeasured Show and Podcast Experience. So we're super excited. How are you doing? How was your day? Thank God this morning you woke up, said you, you know, you were, uh, you hit the gym. Is that part of the routine? Is that something? Yeah. Like, what does yeah, that look like for you? Of, it's part of the evolving morning routine, man. I just try to, you know, get back into, you know, certain aspects and, you know, getting to the gym is one of the things that, you know, was really important. One of the, I, there's a gym, I go to the Y by me. and The Y? It's an old gym guy. Yeah, it's an old school gym. Yeah, I was going to so, say, they don't have an LA fitness. My wife and my son go to LA fitness and I went there a couple of times and it was just too much for me. I, I went back to the Y, it felt like old, you know, <laughs> old school cats, you know. Uh, retirement, it's, baby. It's, it's just felt good, it felt good. It felt, when you're not in great shape, you just want to be like, this is better. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's an ego thing, but uh, now nah, it's cool. They've got Olympic sized pool and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, we still got the LA fitness thing, but I prefer the old school Y. Nice, yeah. He's he, he, he's hanging out with the bottom third three percent. He tried to bring people <laughs> <laughs> trying to motivate him, get him up. Yeah, man, yeah, you got you gotta do what you gotta do, you know. It's a it's a mental game at the end of the day. So that's good. No, that's, that's that's awesome. And then so I part of this, right, as you know, Nasser, we, we have our cadence, we've been connecting and on, on a frequent weekly, bi-weekly basis for a good while now. And I've learned so much uh, from you. Um, you've been in the tech space and we're gonna jump into how you got started. Uh, but I can say, you know, the impact that it's had on me to see, you know, you as a father, a husband, uh, a leader, um, uh, someone who just has been able to break the mold, right? And show yeah. what is possible um, to, yeah. you know, Derek and myself, the family members and friends and the people around you. Um, we definitely want to tap into that to understand, like, where did that start? And then how did you get to a point where you were able to deliver um, consistently and show up the way you do for so many? Um, but before we jump into that, let's talk about, you know, you know, at, uh, you know, how you started and um, how did you get? Into yeah, it? no, yeah, yeah. I, I could kind of go into, uh, you know, the tech stuff, but um, it really started a long time ago, really, when um, basically fourth grade, my mom 
My mom is the type of person that watches an infomercial and whatever it is, is the most amazing product ever. So she, that's the, that's the downside of it. But the, she was told when I was in fourth grade, which is, oh, this is like eighties, right? That computers were going to be the next big thing. And today it sounds obvious, right? Computers obviously are, is everything, right? You have a computer in your pocket you walk around, everything is digital. We're on a computer right now, but at the time it wasn't really a, a concept that was common. No one had computers at home, right? There was no such thing as the internet. There was, it was the computer didn't really do much. And on top of that, it was really expensive. But she, you know, leap of faith, she bought my first computer. I was in the fourth grade. And ever since then, I sat in front of that thing. And it was just an automatic connection. When you talk about expensive, how, how expensive are we talking? Like a computer during that time is probably around $2,000, $3,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the time, it was like two Gs for sure. And you got to take two things into consideration. You know, my mom was a factory worker, so she wasn't making tons of money anyway. So if you think like six, seven bucks an hour at that, right? And $2,000 back then, inflation, 30, 40 years of, you know, 30 years ago, almost 40 years ago, really, well, 40, like 40 years ago, is like 5Gs now. So if you think about somebody that's working minimum wage, making a $5,000 investment on something that hasn't even been proven, that was an absolute leap of faith, you know? So to this day, I remember, you know, I, I always mentioned that I went every time I talked to her, she gave me life, she gave me love and all that stuff. So, so, so I want to jump into that. So I'm curious. So yeah. what was it yeah. that you were doing at that time? Were you like in the books? What do you, in your opinion, what, what was your personality at that time for, for it to make, be an obvious decision for your mom to put this investment around tech at yeah. your lap um, in front yeah, of you in the house? That's a good question. I was always more of like a jokester type of guy, you know. I didn't take a lot of things too seriously, and the yeah. things I took seriously, I was into. Like, I she she invested in guitar lessons at the time too. I I didn't that didn't connect with me. So it's one of those things that I resonated or not. But that she just she just had a hunch, man. It was just one of those things that she just had a hunch. Well, mother's just, intuition, huh? Yeah, it was just mother's intuition. Yeah, right now she's not. Till this day, she's not technically savvy, but. For some reason, she just had a hunch, right? My uh, my uncle was talking about it, and one of my older uncles, um, my uncle Parnell, he was programming football, but it was just kind of like a hunch that this is the way things are moving. And um, it was nothing that I really asked for. I want a computer or any of that stuff. It was just like she said, this is an investment we should make. She she bought a piano for my sister. She bought a computer for me, and and, and that's the kind of worked out. And nothing for the younger brother. You got the leftovers. He's like, yeah, "What yeah. told you what?" Nothing got my old pants. He got the heavy down. He got me. Got a pair of my old joy that's cheated. it was a, it was more of a hunch, man. It's just one of those things, and even today I tell people, it's like, you know, the if you could marry what you love with work, it's, it's, it's all be kind of be all the same, right. Type of thing. And, and that was just a, a blessing that I had really, really early on. And I'm grateful for that. That's amazing. And, and so, okay. So you know, you're at home, you get this computer. She spent basically a, you like a, a used car uh, on the computer. Yeah, yeah. You could definitely bought a car for two G's back then for sure. Yeah. It was a car on a desk. And all, that's what it was. And so what happens yeah. next? How did, how did you evolve with this computer? What happens after that? 
Yeah, to get out the box, you know, you know, she 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 could be sold things. So I'm sure the salesman gave her all the software and everything. So that's what hyped up the price too. It was because uh, back then it was floppy disk, right? So it gave your mom all the yeah. disks and drives that she needed no to get things like no, no hard drive. Yeah, you boot it up with a disk, and then and there was as far as graphics, it was mostly text. It was about you know a few colors, CGA graphics back then. And I just took out the box and saw playing it with some old games, like really old games. I saw some games, and then I got curious about the games, and I figured out how to program the games, right? So I bought my first book. Um, I don't know, my first computer book was How to Program in Basic. Mm. Now, for, 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 your, for, your, for your younger listeners, or most of your listeners that was play, right? It's like, what's what basic, right? It's just old, old programming language called basic and they had gw basic was a version of that mm-hmm. it was a book and i just sat down and, and i woke up early in the morning and i just kind of went through each page to understand how to program and it's a lot of trial and error yeah. and you you know as you know you program now so it's still you know, trial and error. An error and every error that comes back you get a little better mm-hmm. and i did that for days and days and months and months and years and years it's like the program but you know so it's like the compounding effect yeah, so essentially yeah, it's like it a really game is. of inches. And then how do you get yourself at that age, right? Because typically, you know, when, when you're younger, you know, you're probably looking to hang with friends, go to the, you know, to the basketball court or, you know, chase the, you know, the ladies within that grade um, just to, you know, hang out with the fellas and have things to talk about. But for you, you're in front of the screen locking in on what it is going to be a, a fruitful future uh, for you through tech. So what what was what, what yeah. that play? Yeah, tell us. Yeah, and I'm too, you know, and this uh, this is uh, something that we talked about at, at some point too. Is uh, you gave me a, you know give me a, a good recommendation on a book, right? Um, it, it wasn't that I had a goal in mind to be an excellent programmer, right? If I if that was the goal, then it would have been a little bit more of a struggle. But there was a general interest there that drew me towards it, right? If I if it was a class and I had to take a test in a year and I was just banging away and I was studying and I was nervous and stuff like that with the goal of being this or that in a year or two years. That's one thing. But when you do something that you're passionate about that sparks your interest, like an innate interest within you, it doesn't feel like work. Right? It didn't feel like, oh, I got to get up and, and go program versus the example I gave you earlier with the guitar. It's like, eight, you know, nine o'clock was my guitar lesson. I was like, oh, I go guitar. I was dragging my feet. You couldn't get me out of bed. You know, I just went through the motions. I just sat there and I said, oh, well, I'll be able to finish the book, which was an artificial goal mm-hmm. versus just saying, hey, I'm just taking it. I'm just enjoying every moment of it. And when I got mm-hmm. an error on the code that said this was wrong, it pissed me off. It took me a, like a day to figure out that one error and then it got shorter. And you get like these little small accomplishments. Yeah, yeah. Because never in my in my entire youth of spending hours and hours at your house have I seen you play the guitar. But yeah, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen you. I've seen you haul, tear apart this computer yeah. a ton of yeah. times. So, so now talk about talk about how because um, you're still in computers today. What is this job yeah, like? I've been in the industry for 25 years now. Yeah. About 25 years. Yeah. Which is a so feat I'm within itself. Yeah, it really is. It's a blessing. Yeah. So that so so now talk about. You have the computer, you're very yeah. interested in it, you find out it's your passion. How does that carry yeah. you forward into later in life? 
Yeah, yeah, it, it's, yeah, like you said, I took it apart, right? So once I kind of figured out how to program it, I got involved with the hardware, and the best way to get apart of hardware is, is a hard, it was a screwdriver, man, I opened it up, yeah. want to see how that thing worked, how did it work, where are the parts? So you learned the software side first, and then the hardware side, but really, guys, what happened was the world caught up to my mom, in a sense, right? So she was a pioneer, in a sense, again, the computer when I was young. And then the world started catching up where people mm-hmm. started getting Commodore 64s. And then there was an X8, X86 and 286 and 386 and 46. The Pentium came out. Mm-hmm. And then around, I would say around eighth, ninth grade, uh, I would say about, I would say about um, in high school around, you know, around like 94, 95, 96, the internet really started. Information superhighway. So I basically had a head start, right? I got my computer in fourth grade. I'm dealing with people, including my classmates and the school itself that just got their first computer getting on the internet. So I already had about a 10 year head start, mm-hmm. right? Like nine, you know, year head start. So the world kind of caught up. So, so by the time the world started catching up and people started getting computers, you know, cats like your dad, Derek, right? Will call me out, come fix my computer and all of that yeah. stuff. I, I, I've been doing it for a long time. So that's kind of how I use it into it, right? Just that, why is the computer getting all, all these viruses? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's funny. So we got to wipe it again. It's like the third time this month. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. That was, that was definitely me. That was me. That was that was my age of partners. Oh, yes. Using the same, yeah, infecting your computer and using the same disk again, you know? But it was funny because I remember back in, in the day, Derek, your dad used to reach out to me and he was like, uh, we used to have these nice debates in the car. You know, your dad's very passionate. And I told him about this thing that's coming out. I called it the information superhighway where everybody's going to have a computer and they're going to be able, it's going to be portable and they're going to, any information you want, the world's going to be accessible. You're going to be shopped. You do all this stuff. But this was pretty young. I'm thinking big. Your dad looked at me he he said, that's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Your head's in the sky and it's never going to happen. So years down the road, it was the 90s or the 90s, so hey, he called me up to fix his computer. It's like, he can't go on the internet. I was like, bro, that's never going to happen. <laughs> There's no such thing. It's not going to happen. So that, that's the thing. That was funny. That was, that was one of the many conversations we had. But basically, long story short, it's the, the world caught up to me, right? At that point, I had a head start. And and growing up in Elizabeth, there was a lot of kids that just didn't have that type of head start. So I was able to kind of, you know, by then classmates started getting computers and, and then, you know, was in the forefront of all that stuff. So it was really up to a head start and just the passion I had. And and all the concepts on computing just became, were easy to me because I, like I said, I was a programmer for years and years. I knew the hardware inside out. And, and and so when you have a passion, that usually I mean what they say is you know, um, you you don't you don't want you don't want to live to work right and so um, yeah. and so now you how do you turn this passion of yours to computers and it's something that you can get paid for so you don't have to you know, flip burgers or anything like that. Yeah, no, I was you know I you know just a quick story on how the, the my career progressed from there. I went to um, you know I wasn't a really one of the things about me, and I think most kids are misunderstood, you give them, you know, however number of subjects are in school, seven, eight subjects or whatever, and you want them to excel in each one, right? 
and I think it's more, it's a, it's a little, it's, it's unnatural for you, for our kids to love science and love math and love reading and, and love gym and love health and all that stuff. So I was one of the kids that really didn't care about anything else as but computers, right? And technology and technology related to it. And the side effect things like science kind of pulled into that and mathematics was just kind of logical thinking and science is just like more computer people tend to have that type of thing. Um, I didn't really care much about anything else. So, um, you know, school for me was, was, wasn't really that important. Like I said, I was more of a class clown. I love to make people laugh. Right. And that was my passion is, you know, being social, which, which was in hindsight, right. It was very important that it's balanced, right. A lot of times you want to bang on the books and want to get good grades, but there's a, there's an aspect of working and with people that when you're young, that translates a little earlier. So. I went to NIT for I went to NYIT first, which was one of the only colleges that would accept my application in the summer. And my, my good friend Simeon, he was here yesterday. I said, my decision making process in that is like if he can get it, anybody can get it. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote I wrote a back of the napkin essay, submitted that, and then I was in. Right, so. But, you know, like I said, once you get to college, even if, even though it was a, I guess it was um, information systems um, major at the time, you know, you had to learn a little bit, a lot of stuff that was unrelated to it, which made me extremely bored. It was just basically like I was in the eighth grade again or in high school. Um, so I, that didn't work out. So I said, ah, maybe it's the school. I'll try a more technology focused school. I went to NJIT for a little bit. And it was the same thing. It was just some of the adjacent classes had nothing to do with computers. I mean, cocky maybe, but I felt like I had, the professors had no real world experience. So, you know, I felt like, you know, I, I, I know more than these guys. Yeah. And, and I remember the story that, you know, one of the you know, professors were talking about when you graduate, you can make like $65,000 a year. And I was so uninterested. I was like, that's so small thinking, right? Um, I started a neighbor of mine when I moved, uh, eventually I moved to a different town, started a small firm, older guy started a small firm. I started working there part-time and one of the first gigs I had was, um, 111 wall and Citibank, Citigroup now, right? So Citibank, but it was at the time, Citigroup, but Citibank. And I was just about 18, 19 years old, you know, in the mix, you know? And I would go to school and then do a little bit of work. And the, what I felt was fulfilling me more was the hands-on applying and going from there. So I dropped out of school and, um, and, then, and then just started from there. That's how it just kind of launched off, right? So I was a small firm. I started teaching on the, at night, computers, right? Passion, right? That goes back to what we've been saying. When you're passionate about something, you start class at 7 and 9 o'clock. I've been working in the morning, go to school and do all that stuff. You just have that driven part of you that doesn't feel like it's work. Right? I couldn't wait to kind of get going. Right? So do you feel like so, that's something that someone is born with or is that something someone can cultivate or create? How the, how, so for the people out there who are struggling um, with that aspect of it, um, trying to get to that main thing and then now get into the point where they can say, I'm just keeping the main thing, the main thing, which is essentially creating the 10,000 hours that can lead them to becoming an expert in their craft or field. Yeah. So what is the thought yeah. process there? Yeah, buddy, I think it's a little bit of both, right? I think that I think the best basketball player that ever lived is sitting on his couch right now and does, has no idea that he's the best basketball player that ever lived. <clears throat> he never even tried. He never had the potential. He never, 
he, he never was given the resources or really believed in himself or had a mentor to say, hey, you're pretty good. You should work on your shot a little bit more or, you know, do it this way versus that way. You know, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, all these guys, if you know their story, they, they, they weren't the greatest at any given time, but they developed those skills. But it's a combination of both. There's, um, there's something within you that you have that ability, but it also takes some discipline and, and some passion and some mentors and a, and a community around you some, to, to, to unlock that part of it. So it's a combination of both, right? There's some great people that, that could be, you know, there's some okay people that could be the best if they work at it. But with, with that being said, if, you know, if you kind of go back in time, if I didn't have that one instance when I had that interaction at such an early age, it could have been a whole different story. So it's a little bit of a combination of both, I think. Yeah. And that's definitely, that's definitely helpful, definitely to us and, and our listeners. And I, I want to double down and right, dig a little deeper in that. So as you know, you know, we're from New Jersey and then, you know, the areas where we were, we grew up were urban areas, right? And, you know, resources weren't available like they would be in a suburban area. Um, so for, for the people who are still living in that space today, and feel like, all right, from what I'm hearing is, you know, you got to have one, it's always, it's always a great thing if your parents, your mom, your dad can be able to hone in and see, um, you know, the thing that draws you and then double tap and invest into that to make sure you're building that muscle. But some people don't have that. So how can that person get them space, get themselves into a space where they can grow and, and hopefully find a mentor or the person that would challenge them to, to think deeper and wider? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Yeah. And that is, there's definitely a clear disadvantage, right? For, for folks that didn't have as fortunate background as I did, right? Even though I grew up in, you know, an area that wasn't a great area originally, right? Um, you know, I did have the support of my mom at the time and my parents, you know, so I had those um, you know, two, two parent home. But, you know, my heart goes out to some of the folks that don't have those resources. But, you know, you can, you know, one of the things that I believe now is that you can create your own destiny. And it doesn't necessarily matter where you started, just as long as you have some beliefs that you can be anything that you want. Easier said than done, right? For folks that like myself and, and, and you guys, right? But, um, you know, one of the other things that I was fortunate enough was the computer, but I also got into some some different types of philosophies around self-help. And one of the, and I told you guys a story earlier about, you know, I, Anthony Robbins, and Anthony Robbins is still doing tremendous work till this day, right? Um, he, he's, a, he's just an amazing individual. But, you know, some of the philosophies that he, that he had around you know, creating yourself and, and discipline and, and, and routines and, and some of that stuff, right? You know, really stuck with me. So, you know, I could have been okay with computers. I could have been a help desk guy, right? But some of the other philosophies, the second part, which you talked about that drove me are some consistent behaviors that, I, that I've had over time that led me to be, you know, from one area, continue to advance overall, like more of a growth mindset. So, you know, whatever your passion is, you just have to have some type of belief in yourself. And even the greats, if you follow any of the great guys, right, right out now, like they, they didn't have great backgrounds. They might have had two parents, but they might have had, a, um, you know, a disability, 
they might have had a situation where people didn't believe them. Yeah. Steve was Jobs got fired from Apple. Yeah. yeah, Steve Jobs got the board fired. Steve Jobs from Apple. Then that's when you started Pixar and some of the other companies, but came back. And that's the story. There's always some type of roadblock. Now you always have to be careful. Fall into the trap of not. It's easy to fall into the trap of saying I can't because I don't have this. Mm-hmm. But if you could challenge yourself to use your obstacle as the advantage, that's something that every individual has to take on with themselves to figure out how they're going to make that happen. I think that's a gem right there. That's that's definitely a gem right there. We were talking about how you're talking about how you're using your obstacles almost as like a a, a challenge. And a negative into a positive. You've got to. And anyone that you respect, right? I've never read a story of somebody that started off successful just just stumbled upon a great idea that was successful and until this day from the in the long run had no obstacle that had them start back maybe hundreds of times even right um regardless of your background but you know it's up to other guys like us you know and and some of you listeners out there that are in a better place to kind of reach out and and see the potential on some of the folks that don't have what we've had in the beginning and just instill a belief in them that says you can too right so man, you know, that's, that's one part of many that it's a very complex topic, but that's one way of looking at it is it just has some type of belief and following some system and understanding the belief in yourself and applying certain disciplines around it that, that will lead you to success. It's not easy. Yeah. And it really yeah. isn't. So talk to us about how you got into Cisco and uh, what that meant at the time, especially being, you know, an African-American Haitian background. Yeah. Yeah. Sacrifice yeah, to yeah, yeah. 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 all Haitian <laughs> listeners. I was playing some compa earlier. So I, I, I was going to play it throughout the whole episode. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Cisco. I, I started Cisco. Um, you know, I, 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 start, I was at Cisco for all 19 years uh, prior to moving on to the company. Yeah. So you've seen so many different transitions, layoffs. And, and yeah. uh, you know, where investments were essentially made into a, a particular business unit or product. And then they, you know, make a transition because of the market, right? Because of what the people are asking. What was that like for you? But, and then, right, we want take us there. But again, tell yeah. us how you even got there. And then what was it like yeah. for you to be in yeah. and go through those transitions? So a lot of stuff, like, like I mentioned earlier, some of the self-help books that was introduced, Tony Robbins and, and Deepak Chopra and Wayne Dyer, um, um, some of those guys, you know, just following those principles just gave me an unbelievable sense of belief in myself and also just this confidence um, that, I had, that has to be practiced, really, right? A lot of people, I'm naturally an introvert, although if you put me in a crowd, I'm, I'm the life of a party. But I have to train myself to basically push myself to go out there once it feels natural, once I'm out there. But those are skills that I had to learn. Um, yeah, I had this unbelievable confidence. And I told myself, there's only two companies I would ever want to work for. And this is at 19 years old. I said, I want to work for Microsoft or Cisco. And this kind of goes back to the other point. People that were in the field or weren't in the field, there were so many naysayers. Like, you're too young. Are you kidding me? Microsoft, that's the best company in the world. They get 10,000 applications a month at the time. This is the peak of the internet boom. And I'm applying a high school dropout. I mean, a college dropout is applying a young black man, Haitian descent, whose parents are a taxi driver. And that's, that's, it's not even, 
unfathomable for somebody to even come up with that concept, but I just had that sense of belief. And, um, and, and one of the things that I learned, and these are skills and techniques, right? It's not just, you know, just believing in yourself. You do have to put in the work. I had a resume and, and looking back on it, it was not a good resume. I took some advice. I saw, I sought expert help. I did my resume myself. I saw expert help with somebody that does resumes. There's always somebody mm -hmm. out there that's much better at you in one aspect of what you're trying to do. Just humble yourself and say, this guy is better. You know, let, let, let me get some help. So I got a great resume, put it online. One thing led to another. And, you know, Microsoft gave me a call. They flew me out. What was that like? It was like the movie experience. Yeah, that was amazing. And it was just like, it was just everything was coming together. Like they, I had a normal ticket and, and something happened to my seat and the lady upgraded me to first class. It was just like, oh, 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 oh so you came off that playing like an NBA ball player. It's just like, what yeah, the I, did. Yeah, I, did. I, I, I had a little swag. I, thought, I was like, yeah, I'm feeling good. Until I got to the, 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 the car rental spot. And at that time, you couldn't rent a car if you were under 25 without all these lists of things. And I was like 20 years old. They're like, dude, you can't rent this car. Yeah, it's not still yeah, like, get out of here, yeah. man. So, That's crazy. Yeah, it was that that was that was I was young then. I went there, I felt good about the interview, and everything kind of lined up. Long story short, I got the job, but I turned it down actually. Mm. And, that's uh, very important. Yeah, that, that's very important to to have that kind of self awareness. Because for me, hearing that right now is like you got the validation that I'm a big dog, but you're like this is this is not where I want to be. Now I can kind of determine where I'm going yeah. from this point. Yeah, it was a key point. I had to move to Charlotte. I wasn't up to it, but I wasn't desperate either because I still had that belief. And in hindsight, I really didn't know a lot, guys. That's the thing I want all your listeners to know. You know, there's some truth to to the saying, fake it until you make it. You really have to put yourself in a situation that's much bigger than yourself. And even if you can't fill the shoes now, knowing that once you are presented with an opportunity, you take it, you can grow into it. So I was, yeah, I, you know, I was smart and stuff like that. I read a lot, but I, you know, I have no, I didn't have the experience that people that are 20, 30 years old, older than me were going for, but I just yeah. believed in myself and they, I guess they saw that. So I turned that down and then I, I continue, I was still working at the night two organization in Jersey and, um, you know, a Cisco opportunity came up. One of Cisco guys did a training. My good resume was out there at the time, put on somebody's desk and, you know, they gave me a call. Um, I went for, I, I got the call, I went for the interview and this is how things work out. One of the things I'm, I'm really big into is God, the universe, however you want to do it, however, however you want to call it or name it is that when you have something in your mind, a vision of what you want, a clear set vision, the world kind of aligns to it, but you could say that those things would have happened anyway, but if you're not in tune with being on that path, you won't even see it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you know, right? You know, Cisco had an interview process where it's like eight, nine people in a row. Yeah. You know, I'm 20. Yeah, I'm like 21 at the time. Right? I just turned 21. Very intimidating. Just walking into the building in One Penn Plaza in New York City, walking to a skyscraper and you're sitting in the lobby with a cheap ass suit. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> I had the same similar experience. 
And back then it was the shack suits, right? Wasn't it the, like the baggy shack suits back then? Yeah, yeah, they had yeah, they were the baggy pants and all that. I, I think I had all white Harvey gym suits. socks. <laughs> but you were saying that. I had a similar experience when I went to Goldman. They 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 brought me in for a super day. You know, they kinda they kinda like give you like the they kinda baby you into it, like, hey, we wanna offer you um a chance to interview and you get there and you're like, This is gonna be like the interview I just had at Taco Bell. It's gonna be about thirty minutes long, I'm gonna, you know, smile, give give whatever I give. I was there from eight in the morning to five PM. Unbeknownst to me that I was gonna be there the entire day. And that is very intimidating, yeah. right? When you have um, reams and reams of people who who you at that age and at that time period think are very experienced, are the smartest people in the world. They're working for one of the top companies in the planet. And they're asking you questions at rapid fire and they expect you to know the answers with confidence. It's grueling. But you know, that's that's the thing that that's that that separates the men from the boys, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. Is that you have to be able to subject yourself to that level of humility, right? Like you really have to be able to say, you know, that's enough. If you somebody was told that process, they wouldn't even show up. Most people won't even show up, which gives you an opportunity to shine. You know, so, you know, but my first interview out of the six or seven folks or seven or eight, you know, I was nervous, right? You know, I, I still had this belief that I was great and all that stuff, all that stuff. But that stuff, really, you, you can't do it by yourself. And my, the first guy to interview me, I was folding my hands on the table like this. I was just so like Eddie Murphy. I was just so happy to be here, you know, mm-hmm. Cisco logo on the wall and all that stuff. And he was just, and I started talking and I was just answering like a robot. And he just mm-hmm. stopped the interview and said, you're doing great, but just calm down and just relax and be yourself. And it was just like an angel, man. You know, that's what I needed. If that guy was third in line, I wouldn't have got the job. That set the stage for the for the interviewers going forth, and that was all good. But again, long story short, with that one, I didn't get the job initially. There was a guy, an older guy, which had been doing it for thirty years, beat me out on the spot. But mm-hmm. you know, he, I got a call. Say, hey, unfortunately, you did well in interviews. You didn't get the job. We're going to keep you on the bench. And then I got a call back maybe a week or so later. I said the guy that they gave the offered the position to take a different position at Cisco so the spot is open. So that's just one of the things that that's you know, just one of the things yeah. that you Yeah, it, it really is, man. It really is. And that goes back to, you know, faith that we mentioned earlier. You don't have to have resources. You just have to have a belief. And and that sometimes, you know, it's bigger than yourself what can happen, right? So, so what I want to ask I got Yeah, so tell us about um this is something I think everybody goes through and is a thought that exists within themselves, but it's not talked about enough. Imposter syndrome. Because I feel like there's imposter syndrome at every stage, right? You think about the interview process or before you even get to the interview, applying for a job. Like, am I the person to do this? Can I even do this? And then when you get you're at the interview, there's always that voice going back and forth. And then you get the job, you're in it, like I'm here. And then now it's like, am I good enough? Do I stack up? How are my peers going to look at me? And then you you excel and do these things, and then now you get to you get to a new role, or or you want to move to a new company, and then that comes back. Like, what what is that like? What is the language? Yeah, how, that, is there a way yeah. to tackle that? No, nah, I don't think there's any. You know, as far as I know, right, I don't think there's any way to get rid of that because 
you know, a lot of the things that, you know, from a self-development perspective, it's not like you learn this one thing. And then once you learn confidence, you have confidence for the rest of your life in every single aspect. You always have to kind of re-hone yourself and kind of reskill yourself and go back to some of the fundamentals. So that's a human thing, right? We're always comparing ourselves to others. There's always a sense of somebody's better than me. There's a sense of inadequacy. And even the most confident people in the world, you know, are from an ego perspective, that's all a front because they, they feel like they don't, they can't match up inside. That's why they have this outward type of, you know, phony confidence. Um, you know, that's why I say like fake it till you make it. There's a, there's a lot of truth to that, but it's not completely true, right? The part that's true is that you just have to believe and position yourself and posture yourself in a sense that you can do whatever you want and people will feed off of that. That's how kind of people do what they can do. Like, how did you, how did you lose your entire 401k to this one man? It's like, cause he came across, like he knew what he was talking about. Turn out the guy was, didn't know nothing. Right. But he, he had those skills that you can learn and accomplish those skills, but you also have to be prepared for the moment too. The moment will come if you stick to it, but you also have to be your most prepared self for that moment. Now, if I was just wishing and praying to God and the universe and, and doing chants and all that stuff, and I'm going to work at Cisco, even though I wasn't 100% ready, I was reading five, six hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And these but, are the things people don't see. Up. Right. And then that's, yeah. that's the concept that we want people to understand and see on our show. These are the, with inside the walls, right? What the people don't see. It's this additional work um, and, 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 and faith knowing that. If I keep focus on this particular thing, when that opportunity comes, I'll know exactly what to say, and the rest is up to God. Absolutely, absolutely. The faith will only get you so far. If you, if I could, I could believe as much as I want that I'm going to be the next Nick Ford, but I'm not prepared for that moment, right? I've been, you know, I'm not prepared. So it, it does become putting yourself in a situation that's bigger than yourself. Yeah. But being prepared in the moment is key, and that takes work and effort and. And, and consistency on your part. Well, even if you're passionate about, there are some people that are passionate about things, but don't have that consistency, don't have the skills and tools that they need to make something happen. So and I, that's that's kind of, so that never really goes away, right? Mm -hmm. you, you get the job, you, you want the job, you get it. And then once you're in a job, now I'm sitting there with people that have been doing it 25 years. Now all the reading I've been doing for five hours a day is down. Yeah, I got guys on the call that invented the protocols that I was reading about. How could I know more than them? Right? That's got another sense. Humble yourself. Be a student of the game is what I've learned at my current company as far as the freeze, but it's a general philosophy. If you're a student of the game, you don't care who's better than you. You're not comparing yourself to be better than Derek or better than Buddy. You just want, if he knows more than me, I want to know more. But I know something more than that person, too, that I can share. And in technology, you always have the chance to do that because as something something new comes out, yeah. you have an opportunity to adopt it and teach others. So the only constant in technology that. is change. That's that's the truth. That's the truth. Right? And I think that it goes in any profession, but technology yeah. just happens to be faster. Yeah. But if you're a teacher or a plumber, you can say oh, I'm a plumber. I'm a master plumber. But you know, you do you know about this new HVAC system that came out? You could be a student of the game regardless of what profession. Sure. So, so tell us yeah, about, so, really so today you're at Palo, 
um, yeah. one of the largest security companies in the world. Let's talk about yeah. you being there uh, really quickly and what it means. And then, yeah. right, there's a lot of different, you know, people, just your average day, mom, dad, friend, you know, they're encountering phishing attacks and people who are trying to steal from them because they're not equipped. So just give us, you know, you know, uh, an idea of what it's like to work for a company like this. How does it change your mindset? and how people yeah. can better prepare themselves and, and keep themselves up to date on how to protect someone from taking what it, what they've earned. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, yeah, so right now I'm at Palo Alto Networks, which is the largest cybersecurity company in the world, right? Um, started there maybe four or five years ago, four years or so ago. Um, but, you know, when I was at Cisco, I told you I spent 19 years at Cisco and just kind of just talking about all the things that you guys are trying to bring forth in this podcast and some of the things that I bought to, you know, that I'm just mentioning at Cisco. Getting to Cisco was great, right? And then I moved to different areas within Cisco. But I knew that I had to master a skill and become even better. And Cisco's an absolutely great company. But I knew that to focus on cybersecurity, it would be important for me to go to a cybersecurity company and focus on that. Now, that really comes to what most people are afraid of, which is change. Especially if you've been doing something for 19 years. I had a lot of friends there. I had, you know, I knew that a lot of the technology, I had good relationships, I had a reputation. And to leave that all behind, to start something new was something that I knew I had to do in order to grow. You know, if I wanted to be in the position that I was, but focus on something else, that's just a leap of faith that I took as well to get into Palo Alto Networks. So again, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And if you're too comfortable in the role and a position that you're doing now, there's something about human nature that if you just stick, stay still or stagnant, and you become one of the best in that particular area that you're in, it gets it gets it gets old after a while. Right? There's that's just human nature. There's nothing wrong with it, right? It's just that you're always looking to grow. So if you're too comfortable, you have to disrupt yourself or you will be disrupted. That's true. Yeah. Right? There's some that's old technology, Derek, but you guys know, like, you know, mainframe although they're still around if you were the mainframe guy in 1980 and you were resting on that you know it didn't disrupt yourself and say i need to learn pc and server then you just you just basically you know took your own livelihood away from yourself by being comfortable exactly yeah so and 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 to and to kind of uh compile on top of that um you also want to change in your personal life right we've talked a lot here about the being professional there's also change going on in the background where so you know outside of the change from work there's also change in self right and oftentimes i like to think of work as just a vessel for me to one you know do something that i enjoy because i do truly enjoy programming but also as a vessel for all my personal aspirations right so talk a little bit about how you go from cisco palo alto to Nasser Incorporated. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So the, I, there's a philosophy that I've, I've captured from multiple different places. Um, uh, this Stephen Covey really came up with this one, right? And a couple of other people use it. Is that your life has to be balanced across the board? It mm-hmm. could be the best employee, but be the worst husband. Mm-hmm. You can be the best husband and be the worst 
the father. You could, you know, it's there's you know, a lot of the top top guys that are killing themselves working ninety hours a week. They're all divorced, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, people don't talk about that, but those stats do exist. They yeah, they don't. There, there's a lot. There's a lot to be said about balance overall and what you define to be successful. And my my north star, if you will, has been what I call PSSM. And it's something that I do with my family, my son, my wife. Every new year, we sit down and we say, what's our PSSM? And it changes every year. So P is physical. Your body and your job and money, right? Your body mm-hmm. and your finances, P. That's physical. That's the P. Yeah. The first S or second, the interchangeable, is spiritual. Is what am I connected to that's higher than myself? You could be an atheist, but just believe in something that's higher than yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, what am I connected to that's making me whole? It could be religion. It could be, uh, you could call it universe. You could call it God. You could call it Jesus. You could call it Allah. You, whatever you want. You just have to believe that those instances that I talked about that seem like a miracle is just something that was higher than myself that was there. Yeah. The other S is social. Now we're very social beings. Now the social part is how do I connect with my friends, my family, and my community? How am I making sure I spend time to develop those relationships in my life? And the final one is mental. Yeah. How am I getting, if you're not getting smarter, you're getting dumber, right? How am I, what am I reading inside my field, outside my field? How am I educating myself? How am I getting smarter? And with these, this day and age, there's so many tools online, you know, you know, all that stuff. Now, if you look at that, too many tools, right? It can be, (laughs) it's overwhelming. There's overwhelming at this point, right? So now if you look at your life holistically, any one of those, they're not going to be in perfect balance. You're not going to spend two hours a day on each one of them, but they all need to be in balance for you to be, to feel like you're a whole person, somebody that's happy, somebody that's, that's fruitful, somebody that's can, can give others. Cause if you don't have enough for yourself in those areas, you can't give any of that to them. So a perfect example, PSSM. Physically, you, you know, you know, Derek, you go into the gym every day and you could lift a million pounds, right? A hundred reps each. And you're, you're killing at your job. You're making a million dollars a year and you're learning at this job. You're studying, you're crafting, you're studying and socially everybody loves you, man. But on the spiritual aspect, you, you're not connected to anything, right? So you're not going to feel whole. Although mm. those area, other areas are 100 on a scale of 1 to 100, that area is zero. Overall, then you're not going to feel whole. The same case goes with you're the most spiritual guy. You, you, you sit down, you meditate, you pray, you go to church and social. You have all these friends at the church. You do all these events and you're learning every day. But you're dead broke. And your health is failing from the first P perspective. Mm. You can't be a whole person there either. So not that all of them are going to be 100. But you always have to kind of do an assessment and have a goal in each area that's somewhat of a stretch goal and going back to that and saying, which one of these areas that I really need is out of whack at this point. Now, if you're killing it at your job and you, you're doing all this stuff and you just realize that you lost all your friends as a result of it, you might want to kind of take it down a job and maybe be the third best guy at work and spend a little more time with your friends and family and your wife and your kids and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So that's the guideline that I go with. You know, as far as overall development, we talked a lot about career and work and money and all that stuff is great. 
But if you don't have that holistic view on your life, then none of that really matters. You don't want to be a billionaire with no friends. It seems like it's a balancing act, right? You kind of have to get to a place where you're comfortable. You kind of have to find out where, where that happy medium is. That's what yeah. it seems like. Because, you know, you, can, you, you can't be 100 at everything. As much as you want to, I yeah. don't think you can be 100 at everything. Because if I feel like if you're good at um, everything, you're not good at any one thing. That's true. Um, and so you, you need to play that balance. Yeah, so I just want to ask you really quickly. I know you mentioned you, you, you and your wife come together um, uh, every year. Um, so I believe she's an author? Yeah. Uh, yeah so tell yeah, us really yeah, quickly awesome. about that and how did that happen and what what does that yeah. mean um, from you being on this journey and how the entire family get to thrive in this way and show up and bring impact to the world um, just through yeah, that comes with that's a great question. Yeah, my, my, my wife, uh, Tammy, she's, um, you know, she was a teacher for 14 years. And, um, you know, just a lot of self-assessment when she first started teaching, she loved it because it was a different type of job. But it kind of changed until taking the test and getting the pass and all a lot of, you know, a, a lot of, um, it was very strict in a sense that like, you had to do this and you can't be creative and all that, which was against what she believes. She's a very creative person. So she was very unhappy, right? If you look at a balanced person, if you, if you, what you love is what you do eight hours a day, then you really, that eight hours a day is, 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 should be fruitful and good, but it wasn't the case. So it was causing some unhappiness. She wasn't happy and it was a reflection and we weren't getting the best version of her as a result of that. So we sat down and, and said, you know, she always wanted to be an author. And that's a long shot to be a, 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 to have a book on the shelf at Barnes and Nobles is really a long shot. But like I said, a lot of things I believe in. It's a very long shot. It's like being a rock star. It, it really is. It really is. It really is. But it, it's a long shot to be 19 years old and interviewing at Microsoft too, right? These are all things that are long shots, but you just have to believe in it. Right? You just have to say, I'm going to give it a shot. But what I realized, though, is that I believe that the 10, buddy, you keep saying the 10,000 hours, right? And, and for, you know, you went over in the last episode, but to be great at something, you need to put the hours in. And to be an expert, some experts who say that you need 10,000 hours of discipline to the focus in that particular area. So when we sat down, I said, do you want to be an author? She started doing the work after school, before school. She'd wake up at five in the morning, which is a ritual that I had for a very long time. And, you know, writing a little bit before school. So she put the work in and her first things weren't great. You know, she was right. She's just getting better at her craft. I said, I think you need to take some time off of teaching. And or if you really want to be great at this, here's five, take five years to yourself. We set a plan you know, with numbers and spreadsheets and everything. I said, this is this is what it would take to make our family whole and from a financial perspective, from a, you know, responsibility perspective and take that time off and just master your craft. And it started slowly and she heard one thing. And, and, and I want to I want to go into what does it take to make that decision, right? Because at, at a glance, it's like, hey, you want to do something? Just take five years. But yeah. there is some behind the scenes work that has to go Absolutely. into making a decision like that. Cause that's yeah. a family change. Yeah, yeah, that's decision. A, yeah. That's a family decision. And I was fortunate enough that, you know, was doing well based on the stuff that I was doing and Tammy was contributing to the family, uh, 
just as much. But um, at Kim's, that's a skill, right? One of the skills that you, kids don't learn in school, which is a shame. And if you're familiar, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, there's, there's a lot of literature on financial literacy that's not taught in schools. And we put yeah. together a spreadsheet, a simple spreadsheet that said, this is what's coming in. This is what we make. This is what we spend. This is what we have saved. This is what we're making as far as extra on, on our investments. You know, we had to balance that in a way that would sustain our family for five years without a second income. And that took some time to put those numbers mm-hmm. together. But unfortunately, you, 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 they don't teach you that in school. So that's something that I had to learn and I was able to teach her and we were able to put that together. So for all of you out there just says, hey, I'm going to quit my job and I'm just going to go, you know, I'm just going to focus on something for five years. It's not a reality for most of us, including us. There's a lot of planning and preparation that have to go into that. You know, small things that add up to big things. Like, here's an example. Do you need all these channels for cable? Oh, yeah, I love this show. I love that show. Oh, yeah, you do? All right, well, I'll keep teaching. Oh, well, well, you know, maybe the Real Housewives of Atlanta really <laughs> <isn't that. laughs> I love that. You know, as, 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 your, as a spouse, you have to keep each other honest. If you have this goal, that's a hundred bucks, right? If you pay off your car, that's 400, 500 bucks. If you don't do this and do that, that's 700 yeah. bucks a month. And you take 700 bucks a month across a year, that's almost 10 grand, right? So your $10,000 that you come out of there, mm-hmm. you, you kind of work it out. And you realize that if you're really passionate about what your goal is going to be, those little things that add up over time. They really don't matter that much. Now we have cable, we have all that stuff, but they really can't say, listen, if you really want something, you got to sacrifice. There's not, I'm going to quit my job yeah, exactly. and do what I want to do. That's not a reality for most of us, including our, us, when we went through that process. So there's a lot of planning and preparation. It's very hard to go backwards, right? It's very hard to unravel. Like once you have cable, it's hard to not have cable. Exactly. And that's I think um, that's, what, that's what people need to get more comfortable with is, to go forward, you need to take a step backward. Yeah, that, yeah. No, that's true. That's yeah. true. It's, it, it really is. It, 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 that's the part of it, that nothing good comes without sacrifice. So if you want to do something and you want to have all the things you have too, it's just not possible. So that was kind of how that happened. But now, you know, she's got 22 books out now. She's New York Times Ooh. bestselling author. Let's you know, go. She, she, yeah, yeah. She's... Um, you know, she's, she does school visits. So she used to be a teacher. Now she goes to schools for like a half day, does a visit and comes back. And, and where, what I love is she comes to me and says, man, I'm so, I'm so, I have so much satisfaction in what I do and I love what I do. And I've always loved what I do. She used to hate me when I was working from home and she was going to school and she looked at me. That's very dope. Um, that know, is very dope. Kind of like a, just a, everything that we talked about kind of summed up it takes hard work it takes some discipline it takes the skills that are necessary to be able to kind of do some of that stuff and and it all comes together if you have some faith behind it that's dope and on that note i, I want to thank you thank you for your time and you know and imparting imparting that wisdom on us and 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 it's taken me it's taken me this long to to realize that we had the wrong person on the podcast. We should have got the author. <laughs> you know, I, I, it, because you said that, 
I'm gonna make her charge you guys for the next episode. That's funny. But we end the episode, every episode, with affirmations. Mm-hmm. It's a tradition of ours that we would like to start and continue uh, yeah. going forward. Yeah. Um, and we'll kick it off. I'll kick it off just to give you an example. Yeah. Um, for this for this week, my affirmation is I am consumed. Uh, and to explain that, um, you know, I've gotten to a point where, you know, I'm just consumed with, I've, I picked the focus and the focus is to, to move things forward uh, with this podcast, with some of the things you talked about physically, socially, um, mentally, and also spiritually, you just start, you know, stop playing around and just, just move forward. And I've been consumed with that, with that effort for, you know, for a little while now. So this week, my affirmation is, is consumed. That's amazing. That was deep. That was deep. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll say uh, for, for today, for this week, my affirmation is going to be I am present. Um, I'm here. I'm happy to be on this call, having this conversation on this show. Um, Nasser, I think, you know, part of the reason why I, I am doing what I am doing today and achieving and, and growing as a man, as a father, as a leader is because of the example that you have set and the conversations that we have where you'll challenge me. Um, and that's what's needed. And, and and none of that would happen if I wasn't present in the conversation, if I wasn't present in the, in the moment that was being created that led to this very show today. Uh, so definitely, definitely excited for us to have more present moments because those present moments create the memories that we get to talk to um, in the future. So, yeah, man, I'm yeah, excited. Yeah. What about for you? Nah, man, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate that. And and just real quick from the mentor mentee aspect, every time we have a conversation as me being your mentor, which I'm, I'm it's a blessing for me, is that I learn more from you than you probably learn from me. Right. Just wow. kind of seeing how you've developed and some of your thought process coming from someone like yourself, it really helps me articulate and figure out how to do things on my in my own life as well. So it, it's 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 mutual from that perspective. And that goes but, to um, like the reciprocity process, right? It goes absolutely. back and forth. There's the synergy that's created. It really does. It really does. But, um, you know, one thing, you know, I, I, I do believe in growth mindset. And I, I think that you should always be looking to expand in all those areas. But I think that, you know, my, my affirmation for this week is I am content. Mm-hmm. Right? Just say, just wherever you are. You know, wherever phase of life you are, whatever phase of that one phase that you're in, it's just knowing that today is all you have everything that you need right now. And the game of business, the game of bigger muscles and more money and and, you know, meditating a different technique and and having more deeper relationships, that process, regardless of where you are right now, I'm content. Is something that you just have to know that wherever you are right now, you have everything that you need, and everything on top of that is gravy. Yeah. So I am content is the my affirmation for this week. That's amazing. I love it. Gotta clap it up to an amazing, an amazing first guest episode. (laughs) This was awesome. I'm so happy. Yeah, this is great, man. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. We appreciate it, man. We appreciate it. Thank you very much, man. And with that, let's get out of here.